Today's episode of Additive Snack is one of my favorite shows so far, both because of the guest and because of the topic. We'll be talking about how companies can move from AM prototyping to AM production. It's an incredibly timely topic for many organizations. In fact, according to a recent survey of companies using AM, around half of them are using additive manufacturing for production applications. And many more have made additive manufacturing production a top priority for the near future. Today, we have the perfect guest to talk about making the big step from prototyping to production. And that guest is Günger Kara. Günger and I worked together for quite some time at EOS, and he's now the chief digital officer of Ottobock, a fascinating company that creates next-generation prosthetics and orthotics for people who have trouble with mobility. Günger's career has covered practically every facet of manufacturing, and today I'm very excited that he can join us. Günger, you've seen all angles of manufacturing, from being a project engineer at a production facility, to consulting, to founding and running a social impact business, all the way into additive manufacturing as the previous CDO of EOS, where you were a key member of that organization. Now you're the CDO of Ottobock and head the digitalization strategy and implementation, which of course also includes additive manufacturing. Now, what are your key learnings when it comes to successfully implementing additive manufacturing? Yeah, thanks for the question and thanks um, to have the possibility to, to share my experience. Um, and as you highlighted, uh, most of the experience um, uh, challenged me and this is why I have also a lot of gray hairs. Um, and uh, to answer your question, I think it's um, the understanding from um, solution uh, which is needed to solve a problem, uh, then the possibilities with uh, which uh, additive manufacturing is bringing, and then also the um, way to implement it. And I think these three challenges, I think the, uh, um, me and my teams always have to uh, have to overcome. So if it starts with the, with the problem solving, um, then you're very much close to what is needed, um, but you typically um, let out of your uh, view then what is technically possible. So if you not match this up with uh, the um, solution which is needed, but which is also technical uh, ready or um, technical achievable, um, then uh, you will not succeed and uh, a lot of projects are ending then in the dead zone. Um, the third point is um, even if you have a great idea and even if you have the technical um, capabilities to do that, implementing is uh, just a different game yeah? because then you talk about um, a small team who creates a prototype and then complete the other team which are more on the operations side uh, which has to implement this into the daily living into the daily production uh, processes and this is also a completely different game and especially in regulated industries like medical and or um, uh, aerospace uh, mainly also in automotive where we have high quality standards i think these are the challenges um, so whenever um, additive manufacturing topic pops up so i ask myself questions in these three areas so what kind of core problem do we want to solve we have the technical possibilities uh, with additive um, and uh, what does it take us to implement it um, even uh, if we have some unknowns okay well those are great insights Günger. now you mentioned those three areas how do i set up my team to to tackle those three areas 
Yeah, the team um, is, um, uh, and, and, and this is a, a, maybe a trap. Yeah? Uh, if you set up typically an additive manufacturing team, then you have a bunch of uh, experts. So it could be 3D printing experts, metallurgy or polymer experts based on the technology. Then you have also process experts um, and maybe also some, some validation and cool uh, quality management experts. Um, but as I said before, you always have to connect the um, additive team and team members um, together with the problem and solution team. So the team, uh, uh, which is the internal customer. So therefore, the team setting of the additive technology setup has to communicate, um, especially in the starting phase, very strongly. Uh, with the area which has that kind of challenges. Could, could be product management, could be R&D, uh, could be even sales if they want to um, uh, uplift the technical features of an existing uh, product, uh, but this is maybe not uh, possible with current technologies. So this, I think this is the, the, the criteria um, or the, the, the focus uh, which a leader has to uh, be aware of. Um, that he does not overweigh the um, team input from the technical side. He always have to connect it with the uh, with the uh, with the internal customer. And then third party, uh, but this is also a matter of timing. Is when do you involve and how do you involve then the people who will then implement and operationalize it? If you involve them too early, um, they might kill all the ideas. Um, if you invite them too late, maybe then it's not implementable. Um, if you have a technology push showing everyone in the company what additive can do, but you do not have a, um, a main problem to solve or the main value which additive can create, um, this might be just some, uh, some uh, technical um, yeah, solutions which have no, uh, no deep value for the company. So you always have to find the why and uh, the, the customer, the internal customer, and then uh, go step by step. So build a team out of technical experts, uh, analyze and team up with uh, parties inside which has to solve a problem, and then team up in the right moment, in the right uh, manner, also with the uh, people in the departments around operations, logistics, which has to implement it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, Günger. Now, would you say that that's specific to additive manufacturing or... Would you say that also applies to other new innovative technologies such as artificial intelligence or implementing certain IoT measures into a manufacturing environment? Yeah, I think this what I've mentioned uh, um, previously is uh, correct also for the other two A's. So for me, the triple A's are the ones which um, can be used. So we have one A for additive manufacturing another A for artificial intelligence, and another A for augmented reality. And the purpose and the technical possibilities with each of them are endless, limitless. So you can think in completely new solutions for augmented reality, the same for artificial intelligence, the same for additive. Um, and therefore, you always have to have that kind of team of experts, uh, which can solve the problem, which can really go technically deep into the, uh, the toolbox, into the possibilities of the technology, and then connect this then with the, with the business or the um, problem owner. And then 
shifting from a rapid prototyping phase uh, for a minimum viable product phase then into real life, I think this needs also sea uh, level attention, sea level support, because then you're bringing something completely new to the organization. Uh, and this will occur always some noise in every company in the world. So uh, why? Because it's the first time that people implement augmented artificial or additive solutions. So someone has to make this a sea level topic and especially the first inst implementations are the most important. Afterwards, um, everyone can do it, but the first ones, these are the hardest ones. And um, therefore, what I've mentioned uh, before uh, to other solutions, um, sorry, for additive manufacturing is also correct for the other two technologies, artificial intelligence and also augmented reality. Okay, yeah, very interesting. So you just mentioned moving from prototyping to production. And having C-level attention, which is also something that I believe is a core must-have to push an additive manufacturing project into production successfully and also in scope and in time. Let's imagine I'm a company and I'm in that exact position right now. How do I approach that? How do I create value by moving out of the prototyping department and into the production team? And how do I end up with products that my end customers actually in the end will be able to hold in their hands? Yeah, I think we are in such dynamic times. Uh, there is no company in the world which can solve all the challenges uh, by their own. So they have to team up. Um, and, um, and I think this is the difference between prototyping in the R&D sector and developing MVPs for, um, for implementation. Um, so therefore, even if you're a small company, but also if you're a larger company, you always have to create that kind of uh, small uh, exclusive network. So it could be, let's say, um, defined OEMs, could be 3D printing providers, 3D printing material providers, but could be also some startups which are very innovative um, and bringing completely new solutions, but also smaller companies like service bureaus, uh, which have the capability um, that they can create new um, products or product features and also build that. So with that kind of uh, smaller ecosystem, uh, you can create that. And even if you are a little bit larger than that, um, then you can create your own um, ecosystem with, with big players. But this, I think, uh, topics which, which, for example, the automotive industry is doing quite good because they are teaming up with material providers, machine providers, and also uh, with uh, some very large um, uh, production uh, companies. Um, so this is what they're doing. If you are much smaller than that, there's also a lot of possibilities. For example, um, initiatives, cross-industry initiatives like Mobility Goes Additive, they, they offer this kind of solution where you can be part of a much larger group. And within that group, you can have then working groups and then you work on sector, industry, or technology-specific uh, topics. So it's always um, important in these days is no one company can have all the skills and all the resources and capabilities also to team up and to build that kind of solution. And this is, I think, the, the, the greatest challenge because the main activities out of additive in the last decade came from the R&D sector. And R&D sector is a closed shop, so no one wants to open up their R&D activities. 
Um, and if you uh, um, separate between R&D prototyping and MVPs, uh, then uh, th this is a completely different game. And running an MVP, I think this is super crucial to uh, team up also with others. Then you can scale much faster and, uh, of course, before that, develop also much faster. Yeah, that's a really good point. I believe the question that many people ask themselves is, how do I even define that first MVP, my minimum viable product? What does that process look like? And how can I maybe find certain tools and experiences that you had in the past, Günger, that uh, can help me to define that first project to create value for my company? Yeah, uh, I was asking myself always um, one question. Uh, so whenever we had a problem and, for example, additive, augmented, artificial intelligence, one of the triple A's uh, is a potential solution, I asked myself, can we achieve with that technology an incremental improvement or can we achieve a scalable radical improvement? Um, and whatever the level or degree of um, innovation is, um, then we have to go in. Yeah? So for example, um, if you have spare parts and you can optimize the number of spare parts in your warehouse, so you're reducing it, so you reduce working capital, you reduce uh, warehouse spaces, uh, etc. Um, this is fine, but this will not bring you to a leading position um, because people will buy your your main stuff. So whatever, let's uh, assume you are creating trucks, um, and then uh, you uh, you have mastered the spare part sector. No one would buy your trucks, um, which might cost a little bit more because the spare parts are fine. So everyone is um, um, uh, has a request that spare parts is not a topic. So you cannot differentiate on incremental innovation. So therefore, um, ideally focus on the ones, and these are unfortunately a little bit rare, um, what is, so to say, um, a, a solution which will make a big difference. And big difference topics, these are the ones ideally which are also um, scalable, where you have exclusive uh, access to, um, and this will make the difference because whatever you do in creating uh, a high value, this will come back as a return. Why? Because then uh, people inside, outside the company see, okay, there is a lot of uh, power in additive, artificial, augmented reality, and then you will get more resources, more budget. And this is what uh, managers are looking for to create something which has a, such a strong momentum that from a from a little drop, a larger wave is uh, is created. And I think this is um, something where uh, leaders have to push themselves and the teams out of the comfort zone. Um, because for a team, it could be, if it's too technical, it could be a good solution if they have something to showcase, to demo. Um, but at the end of the day, everyone will ask, okay, what is the net impact of that? And the leader has always to push the limits and push the team out of the comfort zone so that they can create and come up with ideas which have that radical innovational uh, approach and focus uh, within, the, um, within the projects they define. Yeah, very cool. So what are the radical innovations that you're working on? And of course, the innovations that you're able to talk about. Yeah, able to talk about, this is the critical point. Uh, so. <laughs> I have to say, they, uh, we start small, yeah? so sometimes the entry point is, uh, is also the one which is important. 
for example, we create a solution which is from digital to walk. Uh, so this means from um, having no possibilities to walk, so people which are handicapped, uh, for for example, by an accident or so. Um, so then we digitalize the entire uh, gait analysis. We digitalize uh, his body. So then we simulate a potential solution and the impact of his uh, mobility. Um, and then we help him with bionic variables. So it could be, let's say, um, patient uh, user-centric uh, designed uh, orthesis prosthesis. Um, then we observe the entire 3D printing process. Uh, so uh, this is where we collect also a lot of data. And of course, the fitting. So we also digitalize that. And these entire, in the, yeah, until uh, now it was very manual process to digitalize. I think this is also a, a solution where you have a chain of solution elements and together they are so strong that they can outperform every time uh, traditional solutions uh, because they are faster, they are more intelligent, they are cheaper, they are reproducible and you have also that uh, digital learning which then creates insights so that you can um, systematically optimize the entire chain elements. And this is, for example, a solution uh, which we are working on. Um, the rest, uh, sorry, we have to sign NDAs uh, to talk more about that. Yeah, that's okay, Gregor. We'll just leave those for our next episode. But thank you for sharing these projects. They're very exciting to me because they don't only have a huge impact on the medical industry, but also on people's lives. Now, once we have that first MVP, and once we have that first product out on the market, how do I scale it from there, Gunger? How do I move from one product to many products? And how do I scale up my production capacity at the same time? Yeah, there are two dimensions. Um, one dimension is just on the, on the product and your solution uh, dimension. Yeah? And this is, um, you have to build a platform. So if you don't have a platform, then you have um, a bunch of pipeline products. Yeah? And pipeline products to manage and setting up is very expensive and in these days um, not state-of-the-art. So whatever you do, for example, if you have one orthesis, you have to create a platform to have multiple orthesis on that platform. And this is a mix always of three points. Number one, uh, hardware asset. Number two, a software um, and then an AI. So you have to build an uh, artificial intelligence algorithm, uh, knowledge intelligence on top of that to then optimize it the more you are processing it. So the more you're using it, the better it gets. It's like a self-sharpening knife. Uh, so this is, this is a, a dimension you have to master. Without that, you always have to create a lot of um, workarounds and you have too much assets and too much money involved uh, to be ready for scale. And this uh, will be beaten by others which are following the, uh, um, the logic which I've, uh, uh, which I've mentioned. And the second dimension, I think this is scaling on the production level. Um, what you can do, uh, you can just buy more printers, just train more people, just more certify. I think for the for the starting period this might be might be okay, but then you will see this will reduce your uh, scaling speed. Uh, you will never ever catch up with others which have a different approach. So therefore, 
net for production network uh, scalable uh, archetypes are threefolded. Number one is the closed one. So I own and I manage and uh, I do not team up with anyone else. So this is closed. And then you have semi-open. So this means I have my own printers, my own network. And then I have also certified uh, selected uh, um, third-party producers within my digital production network. So this is semi-open. And then open other ones like uh, the uh, iTunes logic. So where you have your own solution and you have a defined criteria which you also digitally can check uh, um, and then you can easily integrate others. So the last point even is then becoming a platform, a production platform on its own with a high scalability. And I think these are the differentiating factors. So differentiating on the um, product side, um, driven by asset, software, and AI, and scaling on the production side uh, by the open to uh, closeness of your network where openness is the master, uh, master level. Master level of additive manufacturing. I like it. Thank you so much for sharing your insights and your experience with us, Günger. And uh, I really do hope that we can have another episode very soon where you can give us maybe some more insights into the Autobach R&D labs. Thank you very much, Fabian. It was my pleasure. Günger, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show. Please come back anytime. To learn more about Autobach and the incredible work they're doing, please visit autobach.com. That will do it for another episode of Additive Snack. But if you're still hungry for more expert AM insights, be sure to join us next time because we'll be talking to Shane Fox, the co-founder and CEO of Link3D. We'll be talking about the big buzzwords in the industry. We're talking digital transformation and all the mysterious concepts that are part of it. Data lakes, industry 4.0, digital threads, and of course, how AIM fits into this emerging universe of manufacturing. Shane works on the front lines of this new world, and he'll take us through it on the next episode. Until then, thanks for joining us on Additive Snack, and please tune in next time.